You're listening to the Modern People Leader Podcast. Today's episode will be a part of our People Leader Series, where we go behind the scenes with today's top HR leaders and talk to them about how they've gotten to where they're at and what they really do every day. Our guest today is Leah Petzinari, Director of People Strategy and Engagement at the Boston Beer Company. So one of the things I love about my job is that I get to work with so many amazing companies, so many amazing brands. And I have to say that one of my favorite brands that we work with is the Boston Beer Company. And so today, Leah, I'm just thrilled that we have you. Um, Can't wait to talk about all things people, employee engagement. How are you doing today? I'm great. Awesome. Awesome. So you guys have had quite the year at the Boston Beer Company. How's business going? It's been a fantastic year. We're just coming off our most successful quarter ever in company history. And I think, you know, we're really excited about our entire portfolio, in particular, Truly, which is still growing ahead. And I think gathering up new drinkers by the day and, and just proud of a lot of the innovation that we have going on. And I think there's just a lot of enthusiasm to be in the industry and be leading the industry in so many categories at this point in time. Yeah. I I didn't realize how many different brands sit. Like I was familiar with obviously the flagship Sam Adams products, but you know, you've got a lot of other brands in your portfolio now. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah, I did not realize that that truly was a part of a part of BBC. What's what's your yes. what's your go to drink out of the portfolio? Do you have a favorite? Uh, this is always a, this is always the most difficult question, but I think I I always go to I I'll choose beer over uh, beer over any of our other products generally, and I can't get away from two of our flagships, which is Boston Lager and our Dogfish Head. 60 minute IPA. So two amazing brands. Those are two mostly the the originals. And it's exciting to see just that they've stood the test of time. And for me, they're just two products that I continuously go back to. I love the IPA. It's so good. It's very very good. Yes, it's very good. I'm a traditional guy. I don't drink anymore. But when when I did drink, I would my my choice would be just the the traditional Sam Adams lager. I always thought that was a classic. It never goes out of style. It really never goes out of style. There's so many things. It pairs so well with so many different foods, and it's great for most occasions and all seasons. So, yeah, you can't can't forget about that one. And so you've worked the majority of your career at the Boston Beer Company. Yes, I have. Um, Tell me a little bit about your journey. I started, uh, I had a short stint out of college working in big four accounting. And I usually always say that I decided that beer was more fun. But in all honesty, (laughs) I came and interviewed at the Boston Beer Company. And it was a very dynamic group of people Everybody that I ran into that day on on the interview day was very enthusiastic, very passionate, more than just, oh, these people are nice and friendly. There was this drive and passion that you could feel. And I remember when I came back for the second interview, I had sort of very naively thought to myself, maybe this was the first kind of, they, they they all wanted to give a good first impression. And I was eager to see if the consistency was there from one day to the next. And I was pleased to see that it was. Everybody that I had met as part of the second rounds had that same type of mentality and approach. And it felt like it was a very real company that cared a lot about what you know they were doing day in and day out. And also what's been most important for me, I think over the course of my career is that doing it to a degree of utmost excellence, but also not taking yourself so seriously. And I think Jim um, Cook, our founder, in his stories of getting the company started, he'll say that he wanted to create a place that he, you know, work didn't necessarily feel like a job. And I think he's been able to encapsulate that as a leader and visionary over time. And so I think those are some of the things that rang true in those early days and and kind of continue to grow and, and blossom and are still in place today. Um, from a career career perspective, I started off on the recruitment side, held various roles in recruitment over the years, and then 
peeled off from that and began in a role that was a first ever talent management role a couple of years back, focusing on implementing, you know, true kind of early people strategy type uh, initiatives. And then that role has morphed now to head up all of the people strategy, as well as coworker engagement um, and internal communications. And I think when I first started, just the the people and culture team at the time might've been, I want to say maybe nine people. And we're now, we're now approaching 60. So, you know, during that time we added so many people, we also innovated to add new brands, um, seeing the nationwide growth of Twisted Tea and Angry Orchard, and obviously truly in the success of that. So it's been a little bit of a crazy ride. It doesn't, I always say it doesn't necessarily feel like it's been 14 years, uh, but I'm just pleased that- that yeah, I feel like yeah. I don't hear that kind of tenure with that kind of run anymore these days. And in somewhere in between you, you got your MBA as well, right? Yes, I did. I started um, my MBA uh, at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill back in 2017 and finished it in 2019. So it was just a little under, a little under two years. So we were moving as a company at warp speed. I was moving personally at warp speed, um, very, very busy years, uh, but they were exciting ones. And I think having the opportunity to pursue my MBA and, and get connected to like-minded younger professionals who I think what was most exciting was there were so many people who were passionate about the consumer industry and a lot of people who worked for great brands. And there was a bit of a camaraderie there, you know, when you work for a company that has any, any product, it makes it more real because there's there it's tangible and you can see how customers react in real time. So uh, being out of school that, you know, had a lot of professors that were either affiliated with some of the, some of the bigger, well, more well-known brands or had fellow classmates who were engrossed in the products and, you know, consumer reaction of their own companies was a really tremendous experience. What I love about your story is that you left to go get your MBA and you came back. You came back to the Boston Beer Company and continued your journey there. I feel like that's also not really, you don't hear yeah. that a lot. Usually people, people go to get their MBA and they want to pivot into a new industry or yes. like get to a different company. It's like the, a key, a key kind of step in getting to the next, you know, the next chapter of, of the career. And so with you, did you have, did you think that, that you'd be coming back? Like, was that the plan all along? It, it was. And I think it was because first for, for a couple of reasons, first, because of the knowledge that I was gaining and how much more, um, how, how, I think how much more the day-to-day experience of getting that education applied to the, the company and the comp- and, and what was going on with, with the business. And I think that might seem like an obvious one, but you know, things that I might've only skimmed the surface on before. So for example, issues that we were having company-wide maybe in, with our supply chain or from an innovation and branding perspective that I felt like I had such a deeper understanding of because of the knowledge that was built. Um, you know, there's a, there's a classic MBA uh, sort of simulation that's called the beer game, but essentially it involves kind of allocating orders and inventory. And, and you could see it happen, it all happens in real time. And it's, it's sort of a rite of passage in any supply chain course, but you can see the frustration on people's faces as they're allocating, you know, different amounts and orders and dealing with kind of, you know, the fake inventory that they have for that session. And it was just such a real example of what we face day in and day out with some of our orders and the customers and dealing with it from kind of the, you know, just inventory and planning side to what ends up happening and how the orders are routed through our wholesalers and sales network. And I think that that was, that was something that, you know, made, just connected the education more to what was happening in my day-to-day work life. And then um, secondly, you know, the, the huge opportunities that existed that were happening kind of concurrently to 
my MBA program and getting an opportunity to be able to be exposed to, to, the, to the chance of coming back and contributing in a new and different way was really encouraging considering the, the growth and the challenges that were, were happening at, at the company. You know, and I, I, say, I say to some people, the other thing was that it's, it's, it's never boring, right? So I've sort of always kind of said there, there's this excitement that's been an undertone and that's really never gone away. So while I think many people would pursue education and, and maybe pivot or explore a different path at a different organization, for me, it, it enhanced some of the things that I knew I wanted to do um, and solidified the decision-making of like coming back and contributing in new ways. Yeah. Do you think that, that it helped you expand your, your focus? It sounds like in, in like the last couple of years, your remit has expanded. Um, do you think that that contributed to like your, your like core HR knowledge or your, your, I guess your ability to apply this new knowledge to what you had been doing in talent management? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think that it, it offered the chance to have a new perspective on some of the things that I had, you know, we've been doing all along on the people and culture team, but also making room for there to be improved iterations of what it could be. And I think that's kind of how we still maintain the vision in pe- people and culture today is thinking about not only what's been tried and true, but from a coworker experience perspective, what could the day-to-day experience look like? What could the long-term experience look like? And how can you make sure that there's a motivation to continue to make it best in class or you know, totally unique uh, in, the, in the course of someone's career, um, frankly? So I think, it's, I think it's, it all can be very exciting. Absolutely. And it certainly helps that you guys are on the back of a record quarter. What is the, what's the outlook for the rest of the year? Um, I think it's, I think you're allowed to share. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'll just say, I'll just say that we feel um, very, very good about our positioning. And and as I mentioned, the innovation that we're continuing to put to market and more, more specifically, you know, the consumer response to um, some of the brands that, that we have, in play right now, specifically in the truly side. And I think we feel, I think we feel really, really good, you know, and one of the things that is going to need to continue in terms of ensuring that success is making sure that our people uh, are, are continued to be at the forefront and, and recognized and challenged and motivated to continue to, you know, put it simply, get the work done, but also do it in a way that kind of makes it better than the day before. So, so Leah, you've been at Boston Beer Company for 14 years now, and I imagine that, you know, the in-office culture must have been pretty amazing over that stretch of 14 years and must have been a big reason that you've stayed at the company so long. I'm curious, you know, COVID-19 must have been a big disruption for, for the culture. Um, you know, what's been the biggest change for you guys over the past year? Yeah, um, Daniel, I'm glad that you asked that because our office was always a hub of activity uh, no matter what. And it's not just because our products are, are available there. I think we also used it as a major training hub. So we would have coworkers fly in to, to attend various trainings and interact and collaborate with other coworkers. And most recently we, you know, had expanded some space to allow for a lot of great nooks and, and, and parts of the office that allowed for collaboration and ideation. And so um, certainly not being around one another has affected us like, like, you know, like it has at other companies, but connection is a point that came out of our engagement survey this year as something uh, to be a major opportunity. And I think that where we landed from this year's engagement survey was that it was clear that the effects of a year-long pandemic, as well as adapting to new year, new ways of working, were affecting coworkers in, in you know, challenging ways. 
we were not able to meet in person and, and kind of hash out ideas or problems over a beer, or it, it, we, we weren't able to even have, you know, face-to-face -face meetings with everybody going virtual. So some of the camaraderie and some of the connection was missing. I think another thing that what people were very vocal about was there was a miss of those water cooler conversations, as, as some people might refer them to, where you would have a run-in with another coworker by chance passing in the hallway and, and being able to just in five or six minutes, you know, ask them about something that had been on your mind or talk to them about a project that you might have in flight. And so there really wasn't any opportunity for those types of moments. Um, you know, there were no whiteboarding sessions. There were no kind of big meetings with everybody. Um, and I think very early on, you know, we missed that, but we also recognized the opportunity to adapt to the new virtual space. So one thing we did um, very early on was we transitioned to um, a weekly uh, virtual happy hours where we could get everyone together. Um, you know, well, mo mostly everybody, of, of course, there are coworkers who are at our breweries, which went, run 24 seven, but the majority of the population could come together and listen to our leadership and hear about company updates and initiatives and have a chance to ask questions. So make it more of a Q&A. And that, believe it or not, for many coworkers who were, would tune into those weekly happy hours, um, it was the first time that they had visibility to leadership actually all in the same place. So of course, our leaders have been at annual meetings in, in the past, but outside of annual meetings at our locations, it was really rare to see all of leadership because they live all across the country, it was rare to see them all together. And so I think very early on, that was a positive uh, sign for, for folks. And, and it was reassuring to see the commitment from leadership to attend, to give updates, to interact and engage and, and answer questions. Um, so that was, that was one of the things that, that we did, I think very early on. We also were able to bring more of a regular cadence to some, some email communication. So our CEO, wrote regular correspondence uh, to all coworkers via email, commenting on mostly in the early days, just COVID-19 and, and safety and really encouraging coworkers to prioritize their health and safety and um, the health and safety of their, their family and friends and loved ones. And we also brought a little bit more consistency to regular company newsletters, which would go out on a bi-weekly basis, but would be more of like an information hub to give coworkers access to everything and anything from things that were happening across the organization from an innovation standpoint or leadership messages from certain leaders or Q&A featuring some of our more tenured coworkers as a way to hear other stories. So I think that's a long very long-winded answer I would say that we miss a lot of the in-person gatherings. We, we're hopeful that we'll be all able to get together over, over beers again. I think we're closer now than, than we ever have been, which is encouraging, but there have been ways we've tried to keep it up virtually along the way that I think have been very effective. So for your business to be booming, but then to have some of the basic aspects of how you, the most important, but basic aspects of how you work, not functioning the way that it needs to function or how it has functioned, that must be like a really interesting place to be right now. Yeah, it's a strange place, you know, and I think in the beginning, we, we adapted the model of what we were doing and just did it all online like many other companies. It was, it was sort of like, okay, yeah, we're not in person, but we'll just, we'll continue to, we'll continue to just have meeting meetings all day. And we'll continue to just treat, like we'll, we'll treat the work as if it's the same, only we'll do it all virtually now. And I think since then we've added in some fundamental elements that have improved the approach and, you know, things like we, we have no meeting time scheduled every week from on Fridays from two, two to five. And that's meant, it's not meant to start the weekend early. It's just meant to 
allow for there to be time to wrap up the week, get control of the week to come, close out any final tasks for that week. And then also building in a buffer for sometimes people might have emergency meetings that need to come up towards the, towards the end of the week. So that's been very effective. We've shortened our meeting times from an hour to 45 minutes as standard to give a little bit of a break in between meetings. I think most of you know by now, you, you both certainly do. I mean, even just sitting, working from home, the chance to get up and not look at a screen for 10 or 15 minutes, um, it really does help. And so that's been key. And I think people are more forthcoming than they've been in the past about reserving their own time and blocking time to get at some of the things that over the course of this year have really mattered to them. So, so I think, you know, we've adapted and I, I guess as we are innovating and growing as a company, simultaneously, you know, we're, we're changing the way that we work, which is in turn, hopefully, this is what I believe, making us better individuals, uh, both personally and professionally. So when we caught up the other week, you were talking to us about the two-part engagement story. And you mentioned that there's what the data is saying, and then you know there's how that data actually relates to the future of work and what you're going to do. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. So I think, as I, as I mentioned earlier, when I look at 2021, and I'm sure many of your other clients feel the same, it's really the emergence out of COVID-19. And to, to us, the key threads in our feedback were really its adjustment to a year-long pandemic. So the stress and the mental health, um, you know, and, and anxiety, and, and in some instances, sort of physical health, um, hardships over the past year have built up and there's some, there's some burnout there, right. As there should be. Uh, and secondly, it's this new ways of working. So all of the things that I've just, just talked about, I, you know, I don't, I haven't, I haven't had a conversation with anybody this entire time over the past, these 15 months who says, I love being in front of my screen all day long. <laughs> it's just, Sometimes it's it's absolutely mind-numbing, and I think we've all been there when we have our days that are totally jammed, and you feel like you can't even get any other work done, um, you know, during during working hours. Um, so communication, I think, still is is cited to be an opportunity, and connection definitely is because we've spent the past the better part of the past fifteen months apart. So I think that there's people who are just missing the idea of, of being together. The third piece is I, what we're calling this struggle to understand almost this empowered flexibility, right? So the, the other piece to this pandemic was that people were able to be more present in their personal lives and there was more time dedicated towards um, whether that might be homeschooling, which I know that, you know, is for, for many was stressful, but I think, you know, being able to be around uh, children or, or your family, I know several people who've said that they've been able to coach sports, sports teams where they wouldn't have been able to do that before. Uh, the other thing is certainly physical fitness. We have a, a lot of people who really, you know, relished in the idea of I'm going to work up until my lunch hour and I'm going to block my lunch hour and I'm going to go for a walk outside, regardless of the temperature, I'm going to just allow for myself to just not be on my computer, not looking at my phone and being out and, and just the, the wonders that that did for mental health. Uh, and we also have, I think, many people who are realizing that the productivity level is higher when you can have some control over your schedule. I think I've said, I've used this word to both of you. When I think about pre-COVID times, at Boston Beer, the one word that comes to mind is pace. And we're a very passionate, very fast-driven organization. But I think about the pace at which we were all moving then. And it was, it was, I mean, speaking candidly, it was a little insane. It was, you know, um, we were, most of us were in meetings back to back to back. So that when you kind of got to your computer at the end of the day, you were trying to sort through like, which emails do I answer first? And how can I be 
efficient at kind of getting people the responses that they need while also sneaking time for, you know, a personal life being away from work and then firing up the laptop again later that night. And I don't want to, I don't want to pretend that there aren't people who are still feeling the enormous pressure and pace. But what I mean by it is I think the silver lining of this time has, has been that you can proactively plan your days with a little bit more of a balance and less of a rush, a, a physical rush. Like I think of, I think of just rushing from meeting to meeting in, in the office environment. And it was, it was like totally chaotic at times because schedules were so jammed. It was like, which, which conference room am I going to next? And believe me, like days are still crazy. So I don't want to, I don't want to say that we aren't as busy as, as we have been in, in, in years past, because I think we certainly are, if not more, but there has been a, a bit of a breathing room that's crept in, that's allowing for there to be a little bit more balance. And I, I am a huge champion of it because I think I'll speak for myself. It's, it's made for the productivity level to be higher than it would have been, you know, I mean, if, if in some instances, if you're sitting in an office trying to get things done, people can approach you, you can, you can, you might be distracted, you might be pulled into another meeting. And so I think being able to block out no meeting time or being able to kind of plan your day. So you might have a couple of meetings, but then take a, take a short break and then delve back into, you know, really focused time to get at the detailed work that you need to get done and and you need to get done really well has been much more productive overall than, than the old way. And I know that I'm just one person. So I know that many other people might have struggled or, or maybe, maybe in instances like that, maybe distractions might've been worse at home. But I think in the conversations that I've had, the balance that, that this situation has enabled overall has been a good thing. And I am a firm believer that we have to figure out how to maintain that in the new environment, because to me, mental health, stress management, overall wellness is now going to be a table stake for organizations moving forward. Wow. Yeah, there's so much that you just shared that is spot on. And that, that I want <clears throat> to quickly un- unpack, or at least, you know, talk a little more about. So I-, I love it. The power of flexibility and, and the power that flexibility brings. It's so true. Like, as I heard you talking, I just was reliving all the times that you, I, you had to run from meeting to meeting, or if you, you know, had to like actually go have a lunch sales meeting or, you know, networking meeting, you were physically or travel. Like, we, or yeah, travel. we haven't talked about travel. Yeah, yeah we commute. have several members. Yeah, several members of our coworkers who either had incredibly long commutes or lived on the other side of the country. And it was it was totally normal then to like hop on a train and you know, every single day for an hour and a half commute in. Or if you lived in California and there was a meeting in Boston you know, fly into Boston for 48 hours and turn around and and fly home. And I know, especially there's been a lot of clients and customers that we've switched to virtual meetings on. And and the feedback has been that it's so much more productive because, you know, that there's no, you know, you're not, you're not dealing with travel time coming in and you're able to actually be more productive um, for the time that you have together. 1000%. A a good friend of mine, we were just last week talking about, she's a partner at one of the big four accounting firms. She's one of the ones that has a consulting arm and she literally was flown to New Orleans for a lunch meeting. And she was just sharing like, what, like, how could that even happen? Like, why, what kind of world do we live in where, you know, there's such a disregard for time that someone would have thought it was a good idea for me to spend seven hours in the airport, minimum seven hours. That's if everything is on time to fly somewhere just for a sales meeting. And by the way, like the economics on that, that closing that deal, which we didn't even, which they didn't even close, you know, that, that just doesn't make any sense. And 
I was like, wow, that seems like so long ago, but there's like, we all have some version of that truth. Like, you know, we time that we were, that was being taken away or that we were giving, right? Because there was no other option. At least that was the belief. And so now having the flexibility and the power that gives us, I think that's a, a such a, a smart way of thinking about it. And also when you talk about pace, one of the things that I'm observing is that for me, like I've still have like back-to-back meetings. So like the pace of business is still really, really high, but I've never felt like I've been able to manage everything, you know, not only work, but my life in a way that just makes it all feel easier. And I think that is partly due to the power of the flexibility point, honestly. And so I'm curious, like having the awareness around the power of the flexibility and being part of the team that is establishing the people strategy for for your company, like how are you guys thinking, have you made definitive plans for the future? Is that something that you guys are working through through now? Um, specifically as it relates to flexibility or in the future. Yeah. Like I guess, you know, more specifically, the question is like, how do you maintain that flexibility knowing that we may be shifting to a, a a different type of uh, hybrid type of work environment where you're part virtual part, you know, in office, like how are you guys working through that? Cause I have to imagine that knowing that the power that this has brought the company that there you in some form need a, retain some of the flexibility. Yes, definitely. So I think, I think it's, um, there's a tactical piece, right. Which is kind of underway now. And that is the assessment of all of our roles. So that, that have worked at our office location. So in the Boston office right now, we're working with leaders to take a look at the roles on their teams and assess whether the role should be in person, 100% of the time, if it can be hybrid or if it can be 100% remote. And I think anytime you run an assessment like that, it's very hard to take the people out of it, right? I'm sure that both of you can relate to that, but in essence, we're trying to allow for there to be an objective overview of that role as it relates to the overall picture of the business. And if it makes sense for that person to be on site, some of the time, part of the time, or or none of the time, that's okay. And I think that there's another element that we've been open to relative to that, which is we know that there's gonna be personal preference too. So there could be a role that we decide doesn't ever need to step foot in the Boston office, but the coworker happens to be located in the Boston area and wants to be able to come to the Boston office to collaborate from time to time. And we've said that we're, we're okay with that. So on the tactical side, it's kind of the identification of, of, of roles. Separately over this summer, we're going to pilot what we're calling tests of sort of different work scenarios for those coworkers who are going to come into the office as a test of a return. And I think, you know, we're, we're still limited right now in Massachusetts over the amount of people that we can have in a building due to governor restrictions. Um, so it will be a very small group, but we're going to test kind of four main areas Um, The first being schedules. So we know that people for the most part who are in a hybrid role are going to want control over their schedule and we're gonna provide options for people whether they uh, first choose the same days every week. So if you know, I I say to my team, I'm gonna be in the office on Tuesdays and Wednesdays or if they decide that they wanna totally keep it up to what's going on, you know, kind of totally have it unscheduled to the point where they say one week I might be in on um, Monday, Tuesday, and then the next week I might be in on Thursday, Friday. So we're going to test that scenario. And then we're also going to test the idea of a team day. So having there be a day where we say, okay, everybody on people and culture who's part of this test pilot should be in the office on Wednesdays. And the aim of that is twofold. First, it's to allow for there to be that flexibility for people to plan their schedules. But secondly, on the collaboration front, with the idea of a team day, it's knowing that you can go into the office and somebody on your team 
or a team that, you know, works closely with you. If, if two team days happen to align, we'll be there to allow for those informal conversations and collaboration time. So from a scheduling front, that's what we're gonna test. And, and at the end of the testing period, we'll actually come forward with a recommendation. We don't wanna be incredibly prescriptive, but we're hoping that there's enough feedback at the end of those tests that we can go back and say, okay, you know, the, the concept of the team day worked really well because of this, work with your teams to pick a day that works for you. And likewise, from a scheduling front, I anticipate that there's going to be feedback like, well, it, it was helpful to me to know that Leah was in the office on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, because if I needed her, I could, I could go, I could get her. And some people I think might enjoy the regularity of knowing, okay, you know, this is my, this is my day to be in the office and having an understanding of what that type of work means, which kind of goes into the second point. So schedules is kind of the first point. Second point is, um, just more collaboration. So the idea is that if you're coming into the office, you're not booking your day back to back to back with meetings. The time in the office is intended to be spent on collaborating with other people, you know, having whiteboard sessions with other people, having face-to-face meetings with, with folks, um, honestly catching up with people, you know, again, it's been 15 months where we haven't seen one another. So being able to be together safely and and seeing people and just checking in on what's going on in their world and what their priorities are is going to be really important and i think we would test that by being able to say okay how like rate your productivity level you know you came into the office do you feel like you do you feel like there was a um you know really a strong sense of collaboration do you feel like you had a really good understanding of getting to getting a chance to be around other people. And was that a, was that a good opportunity to connect? So asking questions along the way to get feedback, to, to bring back to a final recommendation. And, and look, we know that there's going to be people who go into the office and who have meetings, but what we're trying to do is pilot structured ways of working and, and being able to have some best practices to meetings and and norms that are able to be implemented fully when hopefully we're all back in September. I love the idea of piloting or or testing different different scenarios. How did how did y'all come up with those tests? Did that come from the employees or did that come from the leadership team? I'm just curious how how those tests were were thought up. I think um believe it or not we've been talking about the future of work for the better part of a year now. And honestly, it came about from conversations with leadership and thinking about what would be, you know, what would be the real, um, the ideal situation for us to work together going forward. But, but the fact is, Daniel, that as we were thinking about it, we really wanted to think about piloting structured ways of coming back, but also provide incentive and you know, really kind of bring people together, of course, safely in a way that would get folks excited about being there. So some of the things that we're going to do from an office experience perspective is we will plan, you know, informal socials over beer. Again, we will be able to hopefully have larger, some of those like whiteboard brainstorm sessions so people can feel productive. And we're looking into right now, what are some amenities that we could provide as incentives and whether that's providing lunch on some days or arming coworkers with some of the newer technology that might make hoteling into their desks a little bit faster and easier because we've we're, we've now moved to a hoteling system where you would check in, you'd have a locker and you'd have a desk. And so what are some of the extra perks that we could provide that would make that transition easier? And we wanted to be able to also, you know, give feedback to continue improving the experience over the course of the pilot. And we're really testing, as I mentioned, just kind of to, to sum up, it's really, okay, what's the approach to scheduling time? What are the most compelling aspects of the office experience? Like what's going to create the pull for people to come back and have productivity when they're back? Uh, what are the tools that can help that? And then what are the norms for working in hybrid mode? 
And so I feel encouraged by it. I think it's a, it's a good way to do it. Hopefully we'll collect feedback at each stage so that at a later date this year, when we are ready for people to come back with more regularity and in, in bigger numbers, we can have some best practices at the ready. I really like the idea of providing incentives for people to come into the office because it's one thing to say like, Hey, we're going to be hybrid now. You can come in whatever you want. And then everyone coming in on random days and still missing out on that connection piece. And it, it sounds like connection is really important for Boston beer company. So you know, piloting things like team day, or like you said, having happy hours scheduled on certain days. That way people know like, Hey, if I go in on Wednesday, it's going to be a team day for not only my team, but another team that I work with. Oh, and also there might be a happy hour. So it gives people a reason to all go in at the same time and you're getting sort of that connection, but some of that connection back, but also the other three or four days of the week, they can still work from home. They can still have that flexibility. They can still have a lot of these things that they've had over the past year that they've really enjoyed. Exactly. Um, I read an article today that was sent to me and um, essentially it, it said that the aversion going, the aversion to going back to the office is more an aversion to going back to what it was. So it's not necessarily the physical workplace, but, but what it represents. And I think that over the course of the year, again, if there's been one, if there's been one silver lining, it's been that coworkers have been really forced to assess kind of the purpose and hold hold the mirror up to their own personal lives and their work lives and and figure out a way to navigate both in the best way possible, you know, while while trying to mitigate stress and improve productivity. And so I think, I think to your point, like if we can get people excited about being together again and incentivize um, being together again, but, but also kind of a sort of the sub point to that is if we can show the productivity and the benefit of having people together, I think that that's, that's a major win because it will show everyone else, um, you know, these are, this new way of working is actually really working. Yeah, and I think, you know, to me, there's there's a lot of fear. <laughs> a lot of these things that we're talking about are there's like fear behind it, right? Like the fear about r- having to go back into a mode of working that was the way it was before, right? The fear of losing the flexibility that I have right now to, to literally optimize all aspects of my life. And there's pros and cons of that, but generally for over a year now, we've been operating this way. So many of us have been able to like perfect it and find like the optimal <laughs> balance of all the things. And so with the, the, the process or the framework that I love that you're walking us through is the, the pillar approach. It's like looking at these major aspects of the employee experience and considering like, what do we need to think about in terms of introducing a new way of working and really looking at it from different lenses? Because I think that's, that's the best way that you can, with confidence, you know, advise your leadership on what you are doing to ensure that there's not going to be a mass panic or that this great run that you're on isn't going to be negatively impacted by introducing a new way that is going to be different because it, it is going to be different. And I think if we, you know, too bad we don't have like a crystal ball to like figure out like, okay, what is the right, the, the, the right new, new way of doing things. But is there any one particular like pillar that you're walking us through that has been more challenging than the others in terms of figuring out whether it's the connection piece or the collaboration piece? That's a really good question. I would say that at our organization, it's there's a further layer of complication because we have offices and breweries outside of Boston. So whenever we're we're talking about and even every everything, pretty much everything I've discussed thus far has been relegated to office type of environment. So in, that includes the office like areas of our breweries or manufacturing locations. And I think that the struggle from a a flexibility standpoint has been definitely seen 
across some of our locations who don't necessarily may not have the luxury of having being able to have a break during shift, for example, during their shifts. So the challenge, I think, I would, I would probably say that the main challenge has been how do you bring flexibility and balance and new ways of working to areas of the organization that are that perhaps are more rigid and don't have as much. Um, how, how would I say it? Don't allow for there to be much autonomy into the day-to-day schedule, right? Uh, and and how do you make sure that that flexibility, whatever programs that you implement and whatever guidance that you give, is perceived as fair across all locations? Love it. So we're already a few minutes over. But we have a few uh, rapid fire questions that we ask all of our guests. So um, three questions and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll try to knock them out as fast as we can. So what are, what are the three or four metrics that are most important for you to look at on a daily or weekly basis? Like what are the KPIs you're always tracking? Hmm. Um, well, I think... It, it's hard, right? Because you ask that question, and I immediately go to the engagement survey that just closed, which is has so many has so many met- metrics in it. But I think I think and when I when I think about just some of this new ways of working, it's I would say the strength of social connectivity within a team. It's fine and and welcomed to be able to have informal time with a team, but the stronger that it can, the stronger that that is, I think the the more likely that they'll be for really strong trust and for people to want to work with one another. So I think, I think it's, it's that it's trying to assess. And we do that through, you know, various pulse surveys and also informal conversations. So it's trying to assess the strength of social connectivity. I think also it's how does focusing on well-being or when I, you know, taking those breaks for um, mental health, how does that enhance productivity? Because I think that nearly everybody that I would ask that question to is is if you said, okay, if you just kind of shut off, you know, walked away from your screen and took a 15 minute break, whether it was outside or took a walk for a half hour at lunch, how did you feel when you get back to your desk? And I think most everybody would say, kind of reinvigorated, rejuvenated, felt like yeah. I had more energy yeah. to attack the rest of the day. So it's, it's really getting it. And then I would say, I would say lastly, it's how are we getting teams to adapt these new norms? Um, so I know those aren't really metrics. Maybe I rephrase them into questions, but I would say, I would say those are kind of the three areas that I'm thinking about as we continue to adapt. Yeah. Well, I mean, qualitative data is always so important. It sounds like with those last two, it's a little more qualitative, but, but I love it. So for future guests that we have on, is there anything maybe related to the future of work or really anything people related that you would want to learn more about? So if we could get a guest that could speak to it, you'd be really pumped to listen to it. Yeah, I think, um, I think, I'm very eager to see how other organizations are adapting to this. So I will listen to anybody talk about whether it's programs that they're implementing or challenges that they've that they've run in. Um, I think from a you know from a hiring perspective, I would love to hear a little bit about how organizations are talking about this at the hiring stage. You know, I, I think I think it's always so easy to just in an interview or as you're looking for candidates for hiring managers to say, oh yeah, you know, I I don't care where you work, you can work from anywhere. When in reality, um, it may be more beneficial for that person or that role to have more of a hybrid presence and or be beneficial for there to be discussion on expectations at the outset. Um, So I would love to hear a little bit more about, you know, how do you you brand that um, to candidates and then and then also how, how do you allow for this new way of work to be part, to become part of your internal brand? And 
like many organizations, this pandemic fast-tracked us. Um, I don't think we would have ever encouraged the balance in the working from home that, that we are now. Um, and I know many or many other organizations have come to that realization, but I think it's, I think it's about, okay, how do, how do these new norms now become your competitive advantage? And I think right now, uh, speaking candidly, I mean, I, I think we're still early on in it. And I don't think that anybody could say that it's a competitive advantage yet, but I would bet for sure um, that the people who can become really effective at it and the organizations that can support it and act on it quickly, it will absolutely be a tool in their arsenal um, because you'll be allowed, I think, to have the balance and flexibility that enhances productivity and collaboration. And, you know, I don't, I, I think there's certainly still going to be opportunities, but they won't they shouldn't be, if you do it right, they shouldn't be as big as they are today. Completely agree. Completely agree. So last question, if we, if we needed to have, I don't know, one or two people onto the show that you really respect, who, who would those two people be that you would recommend? Oh, um, my team is very into Adam Grant right now. We all read originals around the holiday timeframe and actually had a book. We, we did like a mini book club about it. I think anything and everything he puts out is terrific and um, am a huge, huge fan. So I think he'd, I think he'd probably be able to, um, you know, tell you. Uh, we can try. Give, give the guidance. Yeah, <laughs> you can try. Yeah. Well, Leah, it was great to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. We really enjoyed it. I'm happy. I'm happy to be able to talk with you today and um, just thank you for the time. Yeah, thanks for, thank thanks for joining us. Bye. Thanks for, for tuning in to another episode of the Modern People Leader. We, we really, really appreciate it. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating. It would mean the world to us. And connect with us on LinkedIn. We want to we wanna know what you think about the show. And uh, yeah, you can, you can find links to both of our profiles in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and, and see you on the next episode.